Welcome to the Creative Coaching Podcast, where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Grant Parr. Grant is a mental performance coach who also hosts his own podcast called 90% Mental. He's also the founder of Game Face Performance and is the author of a book called The Next One Up Mindset. We talked to him today about how present are your players during the game, how to never neglect the heart, how failure is feedback, and how you should cultivate your energy. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Grant. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you about all sorts of good stuff about uh, mental performance and my background. And uh, and again, thank you for having me on the show. Grant, there's so much that uh, I want to get into. And I feel the uh, just, I know the unction, there's something inside of me that always kind of uh, navigates to people that really have like-mindedness in whatever field they're in, whether it's coaching, whether it's uh, education, which I'm in both of those fields, or when it comes to, you know, mental performance and psychology and, and, and the like, I feel like that's so important for what we do with our athletes as coaches, as leaders, the people we work with, because mental performance isn't only just for sports. It kind of uh, transcends into the workplace, into the home life. So it's a really broad spectrum. And, uh, and I'm so glad to have you on so we can kind of discuss some of those things. Uh, so first of all, I start off the podcast like I'll start off every other one. And then how are you introduced to mental sports performance? You know, there's like, there's two parts of that. Um, you know, when I, I was fortunate to have an incredible father that um, was an incredible coach and was very involved in my development in all my sports, uh, whether if he coached me or if he was, uh, you know, the youth president of our football team or our football program, he was just very involved. And so he was teaching us mental performance. And I say us, my brother and I, way before I, I had an understanding of, mental performance or sports psychology and he was teaching us breathing and self-talk and visualization he was even there was some form i wouldn't say a hypnosis but there was some form of that yeah. where um he was pushing that stuff towards us so i was introduced to it but to be honest with you you know and i'll probably get into the story but after having a career-ending injury in college football and that kind of pushed me down a rat hole for uh, about two decades, and I lost my identity. I had a lot of uh, just health issues from my my injury, my hip injury. And as I got back to quote unquote being normal, yeah. I was sitting in my car, and it had been about almost a year after I made a decision of of wanting to get out of corporate sales and wanted to find my passion and, and get back to who I really was, and that's this athlete, this warrior. And um, I was sitting there in my car, and I was listening to. Desmond Howard on an ESPN radio show and he was talking about his sports psychologist and I was sitting there going what is a sport psychologist yeah and I went home that day and I did all this research and I realized there's this whole world 
that I wasn't just, I mean, I was exposed to, I just didn't know it was out there. Um, and then I just, within about two months, I got enrolled into my master's program at JFK university in, uh, and got my master's in sports psychology. And that's how it happened. That's fantastic. Uh, kind of having a similar backstory to how I got into coach coaching full time, you know, I was kind of in the rat race and doing a lot of things to make a lot of money and was doing so well, I was making enough money. I don't know about a whole lot of money, but definitely more than the coach makes. And, uh, right. you know, I, I, I see that kind of calling that attraction or the, uh, just the sense of purpose, the sense of a, a missional type of purpose. And so I, I completely understand what you're talking about as far as like, Hey, what's this about? I think I, you know, kind of want to jump into that. Uh, because it's also, it's providing a service and, and, and you're, you're helping people. And, uh, you know, given that you were such a, a great athlete, you know, growing up and always involved in athletics, you talked about kind of like that warrior, uh, spirit mindset, and, and wanting to get back to that, there's nothing that can maybe help you get there faster by talking to a current athletes, high-level athletes that are, you know, explaining what they're going through and you having some commonalities with them. So I, I really do I really do get that. Uh, so, Grant, what was your experience like as an athlete? To me, it was great, to be honest with you. Um, I learned – so many things uh, being an athlete in so many different sports. You know, I played, I, I was fortunate to play baseball and, and basketball and soccer and track and football. Obviously, I, as I got older and I got more into my athletic role or my career, I started to gravitate more to football. But my experience was great. I, I learned how to lose. I learned how to win. I learned how to communicate and lead. Um, there were so many things that I learned um, being an athlete. So when I look back, even with my injury or injuries and even the losses, uh, I can look back and just and love every part about being an athlete in my experience. So you talk right there, you finished off with losses, man. I, I kind of want to, you know, one or two things, promote your book uh, and also kind of bring up something you said about losses. Your book's called The Next One Up Mindset. I highly recommend this book. Coaches out there listening, players listening, it's it's of the utmost importance that you get this book. It's it's 140 pages. You have the time, take it, read it bit by bit if you have to. But I guarantee you won't be able to put it down just like I haven't. And uh, so, within your book, you talk about l- losses being a, a learning method and a learning tool. I think that's something that a lot of us who are still you know competing for something whether it's in the workplace, whether it's on the field, on the court, wherever we're at as a coach as well. Uh, we have, we, I don't think a lot of us have learned that to the degree that maybe we should. And I think it's so important because we can kind of push that mindset of, uh, you know, we're not achieving anything within the confines of our goals. And I hope, you know, how, how can we change that as coaches so we're not kind of putting that on our players or labeling them or making them think that's their identity? It's a great question. I feel that, you know, when you think about failure, I think now as society, we understand that there is a relationship. There is a interconnected relationship between failure and success. To be successful, you have to fail. 
So we have to teach these kids and teach ourselves to have a better relationship with failure. And so when you truly think about failure, it's informative, right? Failure is feedback, but you have to allow yourself as an individual and teach people how to actually plug into the feedback socket of it versus the emotional side of it. Now, I'm, we're all human. I want everyone to be human. I want them to experience their emotion. But the goal is how fast can you actually get, how, can, how fast can you get out of that emotional response and into the feedback? Yeah. And typically what I like to do is if, if it's depending on the, the, the environment or the game, but if you can actually within three seconds get that feedback, get out of the emotional pull, man, you're, you're still state, you're, you're in focus. You're, you're going to be refocusing very quick. And that's the, that's the goal. We, we get focused and we get out of focus. We get focused, we get out of focus. And a lot of times our failures will get us out of focus. So I think it's just a lot of us to, I think it's a lot of us we need to be, be aware of, of our failures and, and have a better sense of, uh, of the relationship of, of failing and teaching people that. That's great, Grant. Uh, I love everything you're talking about there because my next question kind of leads almost into into kind of with yourself, what aspect of performance did you personally struggle with or did you thrive in as an athlete? Well, it's, it's a great question because I, it's really funny when we talk about motivation, you know, I was the guy for a long time. And then with my, with my, injury my cranial injury that put me in a position not to be the man and yeah. so now i in my life now i'm the man like i've got full control and i'm ready to roll and I, and I just thrive in what i do but when i think about what i struggled with is that with this persona of being the quarterback being homecoming king and all these things as you're growing up as a young man i was really motivated by external things i was motivated by you know fame are people going to like me like and it was really like a roller coaster right like if i had a good game people are going to like me if i had a bad game people you know what if my status goes down what if the scouts don't like me like i had all of that internal dialogue and even though i had an awesome dad to talk to him about it i still was struggling with that so i didn't know how to to let that go and really turn inward and be intrinsically motivated yeah and i think that's where i'm at now in my life it's helped me is that I'm really, really intrinsically motivated. I'm not really worried about the external things because most of those things are out of my control. And so it kind of speaks to what you were talking about, that failure teaches you. I mean, here I, I don't know. I'd like to think that I'm going to finish my race better than I started it. And then the only way I'm going to finish, okay. you know, kind of finish it on a, on a high note and at the optimal note, if you will, is – if I've learned from what I've done at the, when I did at the beginning of the race, when I did the middle of the race, I mean, so yeah, you know, it, it kind of, uh, it kind of gives you the ability or I wouldn't say ability, but it gives you the credit that you need to, for yourself to be able to speak into other people's lives about failure, success, and then how you feel now about the control that you have. So that's wonderful, Grant. I really appreciate you saying those things. So, I always hear stuff about what percentage is mental of the sport. Uh, but I want your opinion on that. What percentage of performance is truly mental in your experience? You know, it's funny. It's uh, like the, the 
to me, the canned answer is 90% is mental because I have a podcast called 90% mental, but you know, and we, and we hear that a lot. And I think, I think there's some truth to that, but I, there's a lot of people that have a train of thought of, um, that, you know, 80% of performances is mental and 20% is physical. So again, whether if it's 80, whether it's 90, whether it's 70, I think what we're coming to, what we're having an understanding in our society with sport is that the mental game is really important. Yeah. And, and again, I don't care how awesome you are. You could be the all American, you know, athlete, female or, or, or male, you could be that person. But if you're in that moment, not mentally stable or not mentally in control, how good are you? Yeah. So, and it's, and when I look back at my career, I literally can tell you the the moment that I had the most incredible game, incredible moment was because of my mental game. And the, and the moment where I had the most crappiest game in my life in my whole career is because I didn't have a mental game. Yeah. But I, I know that I'm a good quarterback. I knew I did great things. I knew I was a starter for a long time. So I was good. But what made me good and what didn't make me good was my mental game. That's so important. Uh, we've got a generation growing up right now that is being pulled in all directions when it comes to distractions. And, and, and they're not necessarily distractions that are beyond their control. They're distractions that they initiate, uh, you know, social media, which in reality just, okay. it just reveals who you are, exposes who you are. It's not like social media is there on your phone and you can't control it. Uh, you, you can't control it. Uh, you talk about, you know, technology just in general. You know, YouTube, Hulu, everything streaming, stream, 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 <laughs> tons of distractions. And I feel like, yeah, you can have a, a player who's uber talented, super mature, but mentally there's just something that they get, they can't get past things. And I think that's uh, for the coaches listening, so important to consider that uh, when leading, when serving the, the, the demographic and the, the age group or whoever you're serving is that, yeah, the mental aspect of the game needs to be, I don't want to say dealt with because that might be a strong word, but it does need to be dealt with. And, uh, and also kind of just wake up to the fact that it's no longer just do it. Cause I said, so, uh, that, that that's passe and it's kind of worn out in my opinion, uh, because there does need to be honor and respect and all that, but you do need respect goes both ways. And you do need to honor your players as well. So uh, I appreciate you kind of bringing yeah. that up, Grant. So, and I like I like to elaborate on that a little bit too because, you know, there's a time and place for that type of style of coaching, which is more on the transactional side, yeah. um, depending on the player and the environment. I mean, it, there's a place for it at times, but I think the goal is for us to be trans, transformational coaches. Definitely. And you know, when we talk about the mental game and being present. And I understand that in all sports, there are outcomes and results and there's stats. And all of those things are out of our control. And a lot of them are evaluated, like the number that's attached to me, the stat, yeah. you know, the wins, the losses, the failures that's attached to me. But guess what? All that stuff is out of your control as an athlete. Yeah. So let the coaches, let them deal with those numbers. And, and if I can give any advice to the coaches out there, how do these athletes embrace that if they're going to judge themselves, judge themselves on how present they're playing. 
How much did I focus? How much did I refocus? How much did I get prepare myself for the game? What was my routine like? How did I deal with, with adversity and come up with some kind of way, a matrix to understand how I can actually judge how present I was playing because that's what's in your control. Your stats, the wins, that's all in the future. You have no control. But we get so stuck on that because it, it, it validates who we are. It goes on social media. It goes in, you know, the, the local newspaper. You know, the scouts look at that. I understand that. But that stuff is out of your control. So let's teach these, these athletes to, to get into the most empowered self and, and judge themselves by how present they're playing. That's great advice, Coach. And so, like, how would we extend that? Say a head coach is listening, right? And he's got a staff of, of coaches, young, older, however he, however he chooses to build that staff. How could he use that and apply that with his coaching staff? Well, I think it's just it's doing little things every day and being consistent. And I think when you think about what makes an athlete is there's a lot of stuff that makes up an athlete, but it's thoughts and emotions. So when you see an athlete, and I think teaching teaching coaches to coach athletes is getting our coaches to be very self-aware of themselves, but definitely being aware in the moment that when something, when they see a mistake, when they see someone getting down, right, is to literally get like own that moment and ask them, what is your process? And get them, get them thinking like, What's your process? And, and some people are going, what do you mean by that? What are they doing to get back into focus? And yeah. if they can verbalize it, guess what? If they're verbalizing, that means they're, they're getting into the feedback. Like, okay, this is what just happened. This is what I need to do. This is my process. I'm getting into my breath. I'm visualizing really quick what I need to do. I'm going to talk my way back into my most confident self. And we need to start teaching that process. Yeah. No, I like what you said there. Because it seems like, for everybody, not just, you know, the athletes we serve, but it's like the solutions are there. We just need to kind of let them get to it instead of always feeding them the solution, you know, and telling them, no, this is just what you do. It's like, I think they know what to do, especially at a, you know, say at a college or professional level, if they didn't know what to do, they wouldn't be where they're at. Right. So it's not necessarily that they need you to take them by the hand and teach them, you know, uh, football one-on-one, basketball one-on-one, whatever. It just comes down to kind of helping them. The, like you're talking about question, the questions, the listening. Those things are so key. The feedback. Uh, players are more apt to open up to you, be vulnerable. If you're vulnerable, if you're listening, you know, all those things. Uh, but the questioning and, and kind of helping them find the solutions within themselves. And that's it's good stuff. Grant, I really appreciate that. Again, everything you're saying to me is just, I'm taking notes, man, and I can't take them fast enough, So, but it's good stuff. So how, you know, with what you're doing and what you do on a daily basis when you're working with athletes or, or, or corporate leadership or whoever you work with uh, in the performance realm, uh, how important is the process of building relationships and trust? I mean, it's, it's, it is it's the basis of it. It's, it's the foundation that, that holds the relationship up or the culture up. I mean, it's, you don't have trust and you don't have rapport man. it's really hard to get anybody to bought in, to get bought in into what you're saying, yeah. whether if it is uh, a teaching moment or if it is for a culture moment or a leadership moment, you have to spend time 
really getting to know the athlete or the people that you're working with. And when I mean that, like here I am, I'm a mental performance coach. I focus a lot on the mind, but I'm never going to neglect the heart. So yeah. I need to, to, the more I trust and build rapport with that athlete, I'm actually strengthening the relationship with the heart of the athlete. And I can never forget that. You know, we, we only want to talk about the body. We want to talk about the mind. I get it. But the heart, man, that pumps the spirit of an athlete, um, you know, as far as motivation and confidence and all that. So that's one thing that I would really focus on is just getting to the heart of the performer or the athlete. That's great stuff, man. That's so, you're, now you're talking about the transitional or the uh, transformational part of coaching, yeah, part, of, exactly. part of working with people, not just the transactional. Because yep. I've always believed if you can't get to the good relationship with the player, don't ask him to do anything for you because it's not going to happen to the to the degree that it should. Um, that's, that's fantastic. What role does feedback play? Because you mentioned feedback, and, and I'm a believer in, in, in feedback coming from, you know, whoever needs to come from so that I can get better every day, right? So what role does feedback right. play, not just from you to the athletes or the, or the, again, corporate people, you know, that you're working with, but also from the athlete or that individual to you, how, how, how does that play out? Well, to me, I think if, I mean, whether if it's in the workplace or if you're working with a, an athlete that's in youth sports or high school, collegiate, it doesn't matter. I think when you have an, a performer or an athlete that comes to you with feedback, whether if it's feedback about their own performance, feedback about the team, feedback about you as the coach or the manager, to me, man, that's like, that's vulnerability. Yeah. That's, and that's what we as coaches, we really need to start focusing on that. How do we, vulnerability is not a bad thing. It's not a weak thing. It's a strong thing. Yeah. And when you think about the, the, the progression of vulnerability, when you are actually in the moment, even if you're scared or not, you're vulnerable. You are actually being courageous. And then when you become courageous, then you become brave. I don't know about you. But if I can if if I can teach a young kid to be vulnerable and courageous and brave, I mean that just sounds good. It feels yeah. good. And and when they can actually give feedback about themselves, their teammates, the culture, or about you, let me just tell you, you're grooming that athlete to be an incredible human being when they get into the workforce. Yeah. You know, being courageous, being brave by virtue of being vulnerable, I, I always look at courage as a way to to kind of kill your fear uh, because I would, mm. I would never want to believe that I'm a fearless person because people without fear of anything, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if their, right. if their mental capacity is there because there needs to be some degree of fear, not, not that leads to paralysis, but that leads to focus, refocus, however, you know, whatever it takes you down. But I like it. Be courageous, be brave you know, because you're vulnerable. It's, it's so great. Um, here again, man, I'm taking tons of notes. So hopefully I'm keep up with that. So it, you well, know, I love, I, I love just to, to add on the fear part real quick, just because, because high school athletes and a lot of athletes out there, they deal with it. We all deal with it. You're right. I think if you're, if you're a hundred percent fearful, it's dangerous. I think if you're a hundred percent fearless, it's dangerous. You gotta, there's a nice balance. And so you have to have a little bit of fear to be fearless. And then there's, you know, to be fearless, there needs to be a little bit of fear. There's a relationship there. Yeah. But I'll tell you, there's a cool acronym called, uh, or for fear, 
which is false evidence appearing real. So when yeah. you think about that, false evidence appearing real, because fear is created by the human itself, nobody else. So if you're looking for evidence, then I want you to look at faith. And I'm talking about just faith, trust, not, not in a religious standpoint, but faith. So if you really are looking for evidence, then have faith in yourself, have trust in yourself, have trust in your process, process of the team, the culture, have that faith. So rely on that. That's the shift from actually when you're being fearful, shifting in more in the faith mindset. And there's a process to get there. But when you truly think about that, you know, false evidence appearing real, well, if we really want the evidence, the evidence we really want that's going to help us as athletes and coaches, let's lean on more on faith. Gotcha. You know, it's that acronym is so uh, pertinent because most of the time, the worst things we've ever, the ton, the majority of the worst things that we've ever experienced in life never happened. They just happened in our mind. We just worried about right. them. We just played it out. And not, most of those things never happened. And we stressed about them. And we, we even took steps to preventing them or, you know, maybe did some really dumb things by virtue of it. So, yeah, I, that, that's where that acronym really comes in strong. So I appreciate you sharing yeah. that, man. Uh, sure. So in serving people, Grant, and helping them in the manner in which you do, is there a certain amount of, let's say, like mental decompression, like a release that you have to employ at the end of the day when you've worked with, with certain clients and whatnot? Yeah, it's, a, it's every day. Um, it, it is part of my self-care, but it's, it's reflection as part of it. If I'm not reflecting on the things that I, that I did well or I need to work on, then I'm, I'm not doing myself a disservice from a de- development standpoint, but also from my sanity. Yeah. And, and when I'm in that situation where I'm in that, that mindset of reflecting, to me, I, I call it work on, build on. So what do I need to work on? What do I need to build on? But then also I'm taking, you know, I'm, I'm always taking this, this mindset of um, checking my energy. Energy is everything. I think if you, ha- if you can cultivate your energy, you know where it's at. Even when it's low and you can work within the energy you do have when it's low, that's powerful. But, you know, energy and breath. So for me, I'm, I'm always checking that. You know, how was, I, how was I throughout the day with my energy and breath? How it is right now towards the end of the day? Um, so there is a decompression process that I go through towards the end of the day. But to be honest with you, if I have a lot of clients throughout the day or I have maybe a long session with the team, I literally, when I'm done, I have to take care of my, my energy. I have to literally check in and feel and breathe and meditate. I really have to do those things. If I want to have a long-lasting uh, career in what I do, because it's all about energy. I'm, I'm, I'm giving my energy. I'm receiving energy. So I need to really, really take care of my body, my mind. Yes, at the end of the day, but pretty much after every session or any team that I work with. So you talk here again. Wow. You're saying some things that are really hitting home for me because when I think about in, in regard to fear, even there's been times where I've been at a place of either nervousness, anxiety, fear to the point that I'm not breathing right and my energy is low or, you know what I mean? It, it all kind of yeah it correlates and really has a physiological effect on me. And, and I'm, and I'm positive, I'm positive. I'm not the only one's been through that. So, you know, checking those things, cultivating your energy. That's great. 
I would just here again, man, uh, appreciate you sharing that. I, uh, I want to ask you, you know, personally, because sometimes here again, that last question, you know, kind of trying to figure out how to release some of the things maybe that you've heard from clients that was super deep, super uh, personal to the point where maybe you have an opportunity to maybe take an offense or, you know, be, you know, a little upset about something that you heard or however that affects you, uh, you know, and then releasing it because it, those are valuable things that, that you're learning in regards to the relationship that you're building. So what do you value? Oh yeah. Yeah. So what do you value the most in your life, you know, away from that? You know, it's really, it's, it's actually a really great question based on what we just talked about because yeah. it segues right into my energy to, to be honest with you, it's, what do I value the most in my life? It's, it's my energy. Yeah. And, you know, literally the saying is from my, my mentor, Grand Betchar, but, you know, we both say it, it's a, my energy is my offering. And if I am in service, if I am truly connected to who I am and what I want to do on this earth, you know, what I value the most is, is my energy. And, and, and if I can, if I can share it, um, the best of my ability and take care of it, I'd be honest with you. I, I love the emotion of joy and tapping into my joy. So I feel like if I'm sharing my energy and I'm taking care of it, which I value the most, I, I man, I'm, I'm living a pretty joyful life. And I can, if I can be joyous in all the things that I do and have that rub off on people, man, that's, to me, it's pretty powerful, you know, and, and I also think that my energy cultivates love and, and, you know, positivity and I can, you know, list all the other things, but I think at the core of it, I think it's, it's energy. That's great. You know, you're, people say the energy you bring to the table, you know, it kind of is con contagious. You can bring good, bad energy, even energy that's indifferent where it's like, well, are you going to move? Are you going <laughs> to, going to talk? I mean, what's, what's going on, all those aspects are really, I don't know, it's almost like they're contagious to the point where you can change the atmosphere of a room even, depending on how your energy works. Right. As coaches, we see that all the time. If I go into practice and the, I've had a rough night, a rough day, and I walk in there a little low in energy, man, everybody else seems to have that same low energy. Then we all get frustrated with one another, and we should probably just call it a day and go home. Uh, at that point, but when you come in with, with the full amount of energy and everybody's kind of bouncing off the walls, if you will, you find that joy like you're talking about. And uh, there's more positivity in the room. There's definitely more love in the room because everybody's feeling connected for, for sure. a, a, a purpose and a goal. So I appreciate you sharing that. So Grant, what, sacri yeah. what sacrifices have you made to be your, where you're at today in the space that you're in? Man, that, um, yeah, I've been thinking about that question and it's just, there's a few things. I think at, at the end of the day, for me, it's time. Uh, you know, when I, when I figured out what I really want to do with my life, I jumped in and I jumped in fast. And what I mean that is that not only was I going to school full time, I have a full time job. I just got married. I started to do, you know, mental performance, you know, internships and I started to coach football again. And, you know, here's my new wife that, you know, I've been with her for a long time and then we decided to, to get married, but still, you know, 
there's a new evolution, uh, evolution to our relationship that we're all getting excited. And here I go make a left turn to go do what I really want to do. And so I think the sacrifice of, of, I had to sacrifice the time and the opportunity to be a little bit closer to my wife at the, at that time. But I think she saw the big picture. And, uh, and so I've had, she's my biggest cheerleader and she motivates me like no other. And so I think she's, she appreciates that sacrifice that we both made. Um, and I think that's key that we both made it together. It wasn't just me. And I think another sacrifice is, um, whether if it's positive or negative, I think the, I had to sacrifice my identity as, an athlete, a performer. I think I spent too many years, uh, almost two decades because of my career ending injury in football that I just gave up. I had, a, I sacrificed what if I, in a good way or a bad way, but because I did that, I gave up on being that competitor. Um, it got me to a point where I had to reignite myself and, and it got me to here. So, so a little bit of that, um, good and bad, but it was my identity and then my time with, uh, with my wife. I like what you talked about there, your identity. I, to me, identity, when I work with players, and uh, my first thing is, okay, do you know your identity? When I talk to young former players, guys in their 20s and early 30s, I'm asking them, hey, man, do you know your identity? Have you lost that? Because, yeah, it gets tied up in what we did for fun, what we did competitively, what we found the most joy in. That didn't necessarily mean that's who we were. And here again, going, going through the book, you know, the next one up mindset that you wrote, you talk about after, after two decades, that last surgery where you felt like, you know what, I'm back. I'm back. Like it took all that to kind of refocus on who you really were and finding your identity again and kind of, I don't know, reengaging that warrior spirit. Because I think all athletes, we have it. If, if we're any good at what we do, we've had those moments of that, here again, that warrior spirit that you bring up. And it's just, you, it kind of full, full circle, came back around again. So I hear, I hear everything you're saying is just, it all makes sense given, here again, what you put down on paper, what you put in black and white. You, 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 it's just, it just speaks volumes of learning and being a lifelong learner and learning how to, here again, live again. Uh, that's awesome. So right. I appreciate you. Saying yeah. I live again. Yeah. So sure. what have you learned about yourself throughout your career as a mental performance coach? Because you're constantly uh, working with people about where they're at, how they need to approach the game or, or, or whatever that, that looks like in that space. What have you learned throughout your career? You know, it's, it's funny because, you know, my book is the next one up mindset. And a lot of times when there's a lot of people that are waiting for that moment and they've been working in the dark, they're just working their tail off for that moment. And there's great stories in my, in my book and just throughout the history of sports and also throughout the history of the workplace that people have done a lot of hard work to get, for, you know, to get ready for that moment. And there's people that innately just are awesome at what they do. And they're the, you know, they're the man or the woman and, and then they end up not being the man and the woman due to whatever circumstance, whether it's an injury or, you know, a new manager comes in, a new coach comes in and they're just not that person anymore. They're not the person that everyone looks up to and they have to like reinvent themselves. And so when you think about 
my my life and what I had to go through, I was the man for a long time. And then I became not the man for a long time. And now I feel like I'm the man again. And so when I think about that, when I made the decision to walk away from from football and due to my sport, which I felt I was in the effect of this decision I had no control of, it pissed me off for a long time. And so when I think about what I learned about myself throughout my career, even now as a mental performance coach, I think now what I've learned is that I'm not afraid to play a big game. And I played such a big game when I was young and because of this injury that affected so many things for almost two decades that um, I've learned that I'm, I'm, I'm ready to rock and I'm, I'm not scared. I'm not fearful to play a big game. And if I can teach people that, like what does it mean to play a big game within your goals? I mean, that's kind of what I learned the most is not to be fearful of that. And I think that's why things are so beautiful right now in my life in all aspects is because I'm taking care of my energy and I'm also just playing a big game. That's great. I mean, uh, there, there was a movie back in the nineties called how Stella got her groove back. And I think that's kind of <laughs> like, you know, not to be facetious, at I remember. Any, but you're talking, but you're talking about like, you're getting your groove back, man. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I knew I could dominate at every level in life. I just didn't know if I could do it at this point in my life. Uh, like I'm looking at, I'm, I'll be 40 on the 23rd of October. And I'm looking at that, like, you know, I guess like the head coach at, uh, I think about the head co- head football coach there at uh, Oklahoma state when he a couple years back, 10 years ago said, I, I'm a man, I'm 40. I'm thinking, okay, am I mature enough to be 40? Am I, you know, but then I look at my life and thinking, man, I'm I've, I've, I'm feeling the best I've ever felt in my whole life. Like I feel right. like you know I'm at you know like we talked about earlier uh, off off air about the peak performance. I feel like I'm at that point, and you know to to know that other people and anybody listening can come back to that and uh, revisit, reengage, uh, renew their energy, their mindset, and get to a place of. Uh, hey, you know what? That person who I am internally, I can be again, even at this point. So I think that brings a lot of hope. And that's why I, I just would recommend the book so highly, uh, Grant, because it's a, it's a, just a great opportunity to hear your, to read your story and to understand how it's not just for you, it's for the rest of us too. If we, you know, if we kind of grasp those concepts and, and do the work. So I, I really, uh, my last question is always about legacy because I think about that enough. I'm not fixated on it by any means, but as a father of four, as a, a leader, as a, you know, everything that I do within the space that I, that I serve in, I think about legacy because I work with young people. I work with kids. I work, you know, I work with parents. I work with, you know, my family. And I, and I think it's so important that whatever I'm doing today is going to affect tomorrow. So I better make sure I'm doing the right things. You know, like you talked about earlier, being where you're at, uh, you know, not just for athletes, but for us as well. Like, well, am I, you know, am I, am I in the moment? So what would you want your legacy to be when it's all said and done, Grant? You know, it's, I think it's all going to go back to, you know, the, back to energy and about coaching the heart. And I think, if you, you know, if my legacy 
could be that when people look at me um, and just, you know, would say things that, you know, he poured, he poured everything into his job. He poured everything into people. He, you know, he gave his energy and, you know, not only did he coach the mind of athletes, coaches and teams and even executives, but he actually got into the hearts of these individuals. And, and if anybody can just end it with that, he was just special, man, that's, that's, to me, that's a, that's a cool, cool one word to kind of define somebody's legacy. Grant, I really do appreciate your time. I thank you for coming on and making the time. I'm, I'm going to plug your book again, man, because I've gotten just the, you know, the time I've had with it. I've had so much, uh, and so many epiphanies, if you will, uh, eureka moments, whatever you want to call them. Uh, right. and, I, and I think, uh, every other athlete, former athlete, coach, a uh, parent, anybody who's ever been competitive at anything <laughs> with checkers, whatever you've, <laughs> whatever you've been into, uh, right. should, should read this book. It's called the next one up mindset. You can, you can get it on Amazon. It's where I got it from. Uh, I also want to, you know, talk about, you know, uh, your game face performance, your, your company and, and how you serve uh, athletes and coaches. And, and here again, like you talked about executives and then also uh, your podcast, because my podcast isn't the only one out there. I know some people think that this is the only one, but you, there's actually other podcasts out there and yours is called 90% mental. And it's very, very, very good. I've, I've listened to it. Uh, listen to your Roger Craig, your, your, uh, Drew Bledsoe interviews and those alone were, were very powerful because I've, uh, I've looked up to those guys, you know, over time as well. Is it, can you, can you give us a website to get more content and all that? How, how people can reach out to you? Well, sure. You know, like Mike said, you can, you can check out my website, Game Face Performance, which, you know, kind of gives you a good understanding of, of what I'm all about. Um, and all my services and my, my podcast is on there as well, but you can find it in any platform out there, whether if it's, you know, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, uh, you know, Spreaker, it's all out there. So you can, you can find my podcast out there. I can, I can also be, um, reached on pretty much every social media, you know, Instagram. My handle is GFP mindset, which is short for game face performance. So it's GFP mindset. Also at Twitter, it's GFP Mindset. If you want to follow me on Facebook, you can uh, look up Game Face Performance. And then if you want to uh, link in with me on LinkedIn, you can just find me under Grant Parr. Grant here again. I do appreciate your time. Thank you so much for writing this book. Uh, it's already had an impact on me, which we discussed earlier, and I'm, and I'm so thankful for it. And I can't wait to do this again because I will have you on again. Uh, I feel like, you know, this amount of time, uh, doesn't suffice because I, 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 there's so many more things that I'll know I have to ask and hopefully I don't get an invoice, uh, later for that service, but, uh, <laughs> I do appreciate your time man. I really do. And I'm so glad David Meltzer put us into contact. Uh, great guy has, has a really heart, big heart for people. And, uh, he yeah. kind of inadvertently, unknowingly helped me out by connecting me to you. So here again, thank you for your time. You bet. And thank you so much. And uh, it's music to my ears and my heart that uh, my book has had an impact on you. I hope it has an impact um, on your listeners. And, uh, and again, to your listeners, don't hesitate to reach out. I love to answer any questions or 
connect with anybody. And again, Mike, thank you so much for allowing me to share my energy with you. No, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. Know that you are appreciated. So please take the time to listen to us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter at CreativeCoach47. Here again, all of this I thank you for. Please leave a rating, subscribe, follow, leave feedback. Uh, This is your platform. So, you know, take ownership of it. And here again, you are appreciated. So thank you.